Welcome to the Nerd and or Geek podcast with me, Cal Doughty, and also, as always, everybody's friend, Scott Hunter. Hey, I've got, I've prepared one good joke for today, but I won't tell you what it is. <laughs> Again? <laughs> yeah. You're always preparing jokes. This is meant to be off the cuff. And with us this time, we have a special guest in Kate McCabe. Am I saying your name right, Kate? You sure are. Well done. That's good. Kate is a, a friend of mine from back when I did comedy. Uh, she still does comedy. She, as you can tell from her voice, she is American and also a recent voice actress in The Division 2. How are you doing, Kate? I'm really good, thanks. I'm really excited to be talking to you guys today. Uh, I was geeking out so much about uh, The Division stuff, but I had signed, you know, like one of the non-disclosures where you can't talk about anything until the game comes out. And so inside, I was just uh, constantly on boil. When did you when did you record that stuff? You know, it was primarily October, November, December. Um, wow, so that's actually quite that's more recent, recent than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, you know what? It was uh, about eight voiceover sessions uh, because I mostly I did like a variety of characters, so I'm not one of the main uh, playable characters. I'm some NPCs. I'm some uh, like collectibles as well, and yeah. I'm, I'm, you know some mission giving. But also like a lot of um, onomatopoeia sounds in the game. Oh, right. Okay, cool. So if people are getting hit, it's probably me going, oof. (laughs) Ah, that bullet hurt me. You've hit hit me real hard with that bullet. It's, oh, damn these guns. Did you ever have a situation where someone was like, all right, we need another NPC. What accents can you do? Uh, You know what? I had to do a couple of... um, kind of re-records for people, I think, that weren't available to re-record some of their dialogue. So oh, wow. there were a couple characters that I had to try to voice match. Right, uh, okay. And- so they, they'll, they'll play part of their voices and you've got to try and do that. Exactly. Like kind of, uh, you know, overdubbing for what was already there. So there were a, a, a couple other American actors who had slightly different accents than I did or vocal tones that I had to try and match. And I, I mean, I did my best, but... <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll that sounds that sounds difficult. That sounds tricky to do. We'll get into that a little bit more in a bit. Um, we'll just do a little bit of a how we've all been doing, how we what we've been playing, and things. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself first, though, Kate? Oh, sure. Um, so I live over in the UK now. I uh, lived in uh, Pennsylvania growing up, and then uh, moved to New York City, and then met my wife, who is Scottish, back in New York, and then we moved over here to the UK about thirteen years ago. Uh, I do uh, stand-up comedy. I do uh, improvisational comedy as well, and um, yeah. uh, kind of uh, you know I'm I'm a, a creative type that has to spin a lot of plates because I'm not successful enough in one area <laughs> to do just yeah. one thing. So I spread myself thin. Uh, that's that's yeah. that can also be exciting though and fun because <laughs> it keeps yeah. you varied, right? It does, and it's, I'm I'm very cheap. It's like whoever wants me gets me. Uh, so, but we're not having to pay you for this, so that's pretty good. Exactly. Uh, you're like a recruiter trying to sell a bit of a rubbish job, being like, "Oh, it's so varied. You'll get to do yeah. so many different things. It's really good for someone of your skill set." <laughs> you know what? It is. Uh, there is um, uh, no plan and uh, no okay. s- no skill really in sort of my life journey. <laughs> so that's 
that's fine. That's that's a okay because it seems that it's working. Well, you're not successful, you said, but it seems to be working okay for yeah, you. Yeah, somehow it's, I keep eating, so it's okay. Exactly. That's that's all we can really ask for, isn't it? It's true. Uh, brilliant. Well, great. Welcome to the podcast, Scott. How are you doing? Yeah. How, um, how's your past two weeks been? Uh, I'm doing all right. I got with respect to PhD work. I got some work done this week, which was better than the not very much I got done the week before. I had Excellent. a bit of an off week where I kind of. Uh, I'm really, I've been editing um, a big document uh, where I've been reading through kind of uh, secondary literature, which is books by other historians. I'm really done. I really just want to get on and do some <laughs> actual research. If that would be good, I'm going to have that done. I told you of, that my supervisor extended my deadline, which therefore took pressure off me. And yes, <laughs> it's really, but, that, yeah, but, it, but by it, taking away the pressure, it means it you're happened, not going to do the work. Yeah, you know, as predicted, I will, it's going to get done. I've just been slogging away, and yeah, it's been fine. I've just, I'm getting things done. Have you had time to play or watch anything? I've played loads more Breath of the Wild. Okay. Pretty much, it's, I've got a backlog of games now that are coming out, and I'm like, oh, this looks really good, but Zelda's still just there. Jump into not, exactly. I, I can't justify buying new software when I still want to play Breath of the Wild. How far into that are you now? I am. I've done all four Divine Beasts. I've done all four of those. I've got the Master Sword. So nice. basically, I am in the doing stuff portion of the game where I could just go and fight Ganon now, but there's still so much of a world left unexplored. And you know, as soon as you fight Ganon, you're going to be like mentally done. Yeah, probably. You like me. Well, once you've done the final big boss, you're like, okay, it's it's done now. Yeah, probably. I think so, because I know you told me, I think it was you who told me, that once you've done Ganon, you can go back, but like they give you, they get, send you back to like the safe before you fight. Before, yeah. You fought Ganon. I was about to say frightened. No, yeah. fought Ganon. It's early. It's um, okay. It's, we're recording this at I, 11 a.m. on a Saturday. I think I'd be, I think I'd be done. I'm, I'm the same way with any like Grand Theft Auto game. Um, is when you're done with the story, I can't be bothered to like mess around with the world. No, exactly. Then I'd move on. So yeah, I'm, I'm keeping myself emotionally invested for a while. Nice. Longer. Kate, have you played any... What, what consoles do you own? Uh, I am on a PlayStation 4. I still okay. have my PS3, but because I yeah. moved house somewhat recently, we only have uh, one TV on the go right now. So I, right. I have my, my PS4 set up, and then I also have... Um, the SNES mini thing that came out uh, a couple Christmases ago. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, and I just haven't nice. put that back up yet. But that's that's there in the background always. Yeah. Uh, I mean, mostly, I just play Mario on it. I'm going to be honest. But <laughs> that's that's fair <laughs> enough. But I'm what have on you been, what have you, have you been playing anything the past two weeks? Oh yes, or, but not not just two weeks, but recently, I guess, because you weren't in the, on the last podcast. Yeah, I mean, I I am the type of gamer that is sort of a completionist. Like, I really, really get sucked into one game, and then I play it like too much during the day until it's yeah. over. Um, and then what I have to do is give myself like a couple weeks off of gaming so that I can work on things that pay me money. <laughs> um, so right, yes. I most recently, for about 90 hours, played uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, excellent game. Yeah, I found that it was, like people had said, a little bit slow and kind yep. of moseying along uh, at the yep. first, probably the first 10 hours, to be honest. But I was enjoying it, so obviously with it. And then I just completed uh, the second epilogue, which is, you know, all the main story done. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'll probably dip back in in a couple of days just to see what the online mode is like. I, I'm not generally I've heard, an online. I've heard mixed things about it. Okay, what have you heard? 
So like um, the online mode I, fa- I found is is a bit, it's it's with, whereas the main world of Red Dead Redemption 2 is, is quite interesting and varied with the things you can do. Online has a bit of a griefing problem and it's it's not as interesting in sort of, or as, as engaging as the main world is what okay. I've heard. The one time I went into online mode, because I, I haven't done that much, uh, I went in on uh, the, the last Uncharted game where they okay. had an, an online mode and really what I found myself doing was apologizing to players around the world for being terrible (laughs) (laughs) over the course of two hours. Um, I tend not to play many games online. Uh, I tend to just sort of do the single player portion of things. Like I'm playing through the Division 2 now. Um, One, in preparation to talk to you a little bit about it, but two, also just in general, because I I enjoyed the Division 1. I wanted to give that a go. And even though it's an online game, I tend to play it entirely solo. Yeah, I'm I'm very much a story mode kind of person. Um, I am, you know, I am pushing the boat out a little bit, trying to go a little bit more online. But again, this is another thing where it's like, if I do this and I like it, well, that's just another hobby that's going to be a time suck for me. You know, yes. like like the story mode of video games already is about one third of my hobby life. So right, okay, yeah. I don't know where, like I'd be, I'd never see my wife if I have one no. other thing in my life that I like. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, have you been have you been watching anything, or or is there any any shows you're into at the moment? Um, you know, I'm one of those that has like a, a content queue sort of out the back door. Um, right. But uh, what I've been watching lately, I was a big fan of the show The Good Wife uh, that was on American television a few years ago. They had a spinoff called The Good Fight, uh, and that has just been uh, season two is on Amazon Prime. But as far as like, um, what's what's that about? Okay, so essentially the conceit is it's a law firm procedural, but it's okay. really a show that has and a shameless plug for my podcast, Strong Female Leads. Um, it has a, it's a show <laughs> about strong female leads. Uh, so it's it's got a lot of like really cool uh, female characters uh, at the fore, but it's also very topical. It, it usually has uh, storylines that are matching whatever's going on in the world. Right, um, okay. But as far as like genre stuff, um, you know, I am a big genre nerd. I'm a big comic book nerd. Um, yeah. I would say I'm most excited for The Witcher to come out on Netflix. Oh, yeah, on Netflix. That that series is going to be, it's, it's either going to be really good or really bad. Like, I, I don't yeah. think there's going to be any in between there. Well, and even if it is really good, people are going to talk about it like it's really bad. I mean, fan bases are hard to please. Of course, yeah. It's, um, it's, they're already annoyed that he doesn't have a beard, which yeah. is which is a weird annoyance considering in the in the books, the char- character of Geralt doesn't have a beard. He actually typically hates beard. It's only to do Witcher three that he really got that look, and it's it's. I Wait, I'm sorry. He hates beards. Oh, he's 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 a very sort of. I'm trying to think. Is is there's a line where he just say he finds them like um, unwieldy? I think it is. Uh, but he's not—he's not a fan of beards. Really. Is The Witcher that one with the promo shot of a guy in a bag wig? Yes. Ooh. All right. Henry Henry Cavill. Henry yeah. Cavill. He's the Superman guy, right? That's he right. Is. Yeah. Yeah. And now, and now he's the Geralt of Riviera guy. All right. I'm I looking forward that to that show. Did you guys play The Witcher? I played the. I played uh, all three of the Witchers. I, the Witcher Three is one of my favorite games of all time. So I'm. I've read all the books following that, and it's. I am very excited for this. Okay, cool. So you're invested as well. I, I'm hoping it's good. I, you know, want uh, to love it and sort of be addicted to the show, just like I was the game. Absolutely. 
You know, I've read a I'm couple looking, of the books. I haven't read all of them. I'm looking forward to all of it being released at once. Because if it's like a Game of Thrones type thing, I think it would be... I, this is a show I want to just get immediately invested in and just dive right into and enjoy. Yes. You're so, so Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Cool. I've been, I've been playing... The Division 2, quite a bit. So I finished up, I finished off Devil May Cry 5, which is a very good action game. And then mostly, most of my time recently has been playing Splatoon 2 with my girlfriend or The Division 2, which is a really good game. It's a very good loot shooter. Kate, I know you've done do voices for it. Have you played any of it at all? Not yet. So I didn't, it's not, we didn't get like copies of it or anything. Uh, so basically I need to go out and get a copy. I To, to hear yourself. To hear myself. My friend, um, John Cooper, who is uh, another comic, has been playing it, though, and he's been, like, screen capping some stuff. Uh, oh, really? So, okay. Or, like, video capturing. So uh, he's been sending me a couple clips. Uh, he's like, oh, I found another section where your voice is here. Um, so I've seen a little bit of it. I've been running around trying to hear your voice. Like, I, any sort of, like, American woman in that in that game, I'm just <laughs> like, maybe that's Kate. And, and it's... It's pretty cool. It's, it's, I'm not sure if I definitely have heard you. I'm sure I have. It's just it's hard to sort of pin it down because to me, a lot of American voices, especially in that in when it's like one accent, tends to sound yeah, sort of blend together know. a little bit. I, that is forgivable. I will tell you the couple that John sent me so far. Uh, I give a mission about rescuing the Constitution. Uh, oh, right, okay. if that's a spoiler. It's a very. I think it's just very much a side mission. It's one of the options. Yeah. Uh, and then also. There's like a hologram version. I think it's one of the audio collectibles of me where I'm like, I'm ill and I'm uh, like praying at a bedside. Um, so I know right. that those are a couple. But otherwise, I think that the things that he's heard from me in the game so far have just been stuff like, hey, agent, looking good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that, sound, that sounds accurate. What I, what I actually noticed with this is that it's the voice lines I'm hearing are a lot more varied than in the Division 1. In Division 1, when I was fighting enemies and things, you'd hear the same voice lines over and over. One which particularly sh like stuck out was in a firefight with some enemies. I heard the line, he just shot Alex like five different times as I killed people. And it just yeah. made me think that there's this gang of people and all of them are just called Alex. And it's, but where I was here, I can't actually think of any lines which I've heard multiple times, certainly not to the point where they stick out in such a way. So whether it's you or everyone else, I think you're all doing a, a great job in there. Excellent. Well, well done, well done all around. The gunplay feels excellent. Um, in terms of like, I think that really makes or breaks these sort of games with with how the guns feel in those games because most majority of what you're doing is shooting. Um, if, it, if a gun feels like it's not incredibly effective, like I think back to Anthem, which released recently, and the guns in that just felt like you were just shooting like nerf darts or something. You know, it, it just felt like you were just shooting lights out of your gun. Whereas here, you can really feel like the weight behind the shots that you're, you're shooting in a way. And the sound design really adds on to that, which is really great. Um, the echoes that you said before that you, you're like a, you played a sick woman on the side of the bed. That, that make, that's one of the echoes, I think, where yes. you find a little electronic thing. It plays the scene in front of you. Those are really cool that it crafts a scene around that you can walk around uh, and I'm, see i'm really pleased i mean I'm, you know the the fear i had was that oh you never know how people are going to uh, respond to a game and you know i just i just wanted it to be a good game because it's the first video i've done um and so i'm pleased i think people are responding pretty positively to it and i i can't wait to play it so you know. uh, I, I did like a yeah. little bit of the demo when um 
when they were beta testing. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. Like, but that's all I've gotten to so far. You should. You, it's 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 just a lot of fun. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the silent protagonist because I, I wish that they could have given the person you're playing a voice as well. Like maybe yeah. you could call them up and be like, I'm available for this as well. If you want to <laughs> do more voice lines. Um, the villain seems a bit weird. Uh, the, the villain sort of leaves voice tapes around and he's, the first one I came across was, you may wonder why I'm leaving these and telling you my plan. Like he says that word for word. You're like, I didn't even know who you were. So this, this is, this is odd, but otherwise there's some, there's some odd narrative choices in there, but the actual gameplay itself is, is really cool. And the moment to moments like events are, are pretty good. So awesome. how, how did you get into that? How did you get into the voice acting part? Um, so I, uh, I mean, I've wanted to do video games and or animation for a really long time. And I basically, I finally got on Spotlight. So okay. um, Spotlight, if people are listening, is, is a, a website or a listing sort of um, a facility that you can access online. And it is available if you're, a member of equity. So if you, know, you have a couple paid performance gigs, you join equity, which is the union. Yeah. Um, and it's a great thing to join anyway, because it protects you from bad practices and uh, you can use it for uh, like personal insurances and things like that. Um, but with spotlight, then uh, a lot of gaming and voiceover stuff goes out on there. I got a, a, an audio book from spotlight as well. Um, oh, right. Well, what audio book was that? I, it was about mindfulness and running. Um, So two things that I don't really engage with, (laughs) (laughs) but it was still an interesting book. It was well written. I enjoyed reading it. (laughs) And reading uh, and voicing it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So you got, so did they reach out to you from there or did you apply for something? So I, with a lot of voiceover work that I've um, had so far, and and to be honest, I'm still fairly new to this game. So it's not like I'm uh, a wealth of knowledge here, but how it's worked for me so far is, uh, you know, the, the listings come up with usually a script to record yourself reading yeah. and uh, you send it to the email address that's listed. And if they like it, they they either just offer you the work or they might call you in for an in-studio audition. But a lot right. of the work I've done so far has been down in London. So I've had to go down for uh, VO sessions. Luckily, I've got a pal who doesn't live too far from London and has let me sort of uh, crash when I needed to go down. That's good, yeah. Um, you're, based, you're based in Manchester right now, so I imagine the constant trips back and forth wouldn't be the best. Yeah, I mean, I do have a car. I have driven down every time because it's usually uh, late notice and train tickets would be ridiculous. But uh, driving down, a, a typical session is, is, is usually a maximum of four hours. Uh, you know, there's a lot of politics around voicing, I think, especially with gaming and animation because yeah. you make your voice do some crazy things. There's a lot of Especially in the division, uh, there was like a lot of uh, my, you know, the the acting instruction I was getting was like, okay, for this clip, you're on fire and you're gonna die. Uh, the next clip, you're on fire <laughs> oh, and you're not gonna die. Uh, this one, you're falling down. Oh. <laughs> uh, you're falling a very far distance. <laughs> so, oh god! Um, so there's a lot of like. Uh, how just- do you? How do you? Okay, as a as a person, how do you differentiate being on fire and dying and not dying? Uh, I suppose it's one uh, peters out uh, like you have expired, okay, and the other yeah. one, and the other one is sort of like you're catching your breath, I guess, after the pain has subsided. Right. <laughs> God. You, you you deliver your line with a hint of hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm gonna get through this. 
Oh my god, I'm on fire! No! Oh my god, I'm on fire! No? <laughs> I tell you what, the most difficult uh, instruction I had was, okay, now we need you to make the noise you would make when you would pick up a book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that was hard to interpret. Because I don't it's... make noises when I pick up no. books. No. How heavy up. is this book? Well, that's what I had to picture. I was like, alright, this is going to be a tome. And I think oh, for that book. one... Yeah. Like what I did. I'm like, ooh, a paper cut. <laughs> hey, Ouch. these words are heavy. What I, I think what I wound up doing to get something out of myself was pretend it was on a high shelf. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. you're just like stretching up to get it and like, the little noise that you make as you, okay. Exactly. What, what context could that possibly be for? Like, how do they, I guess their job to direct it. And so they've got to think of something, but. Would you, would, was your character actually picking, like, the voice you're doing, were they actually picking up a book? Was it just, like, an example of a noise you need to make? I think, here's my guess, uh, is that they needed a library of sounds in case. Okay. It, now, I, I think that's going to be one of the ones that, like, doesn't make it into the game. I think what it'll be is they'll wind up, they'll wind up using, like, a foley or something for that. You know, someone who does more, like, um, uh, uh, sound effects that are just, like, object-based. So yeah. But somewhere uh, on, on a computer at Ubisoft headquarters, there's a folder with thousands of audio files of various people just going, huh? Yeah. There is. <laughs> and when, so, so when they're like editing the game together and like putting these voices in, they've got to listen to every single like, huh? And, and then just like, which one's the right one here? Okay, they're climbing over a small ledge. Do we want this? Hup. Or do we want this? Hup. It's, it's like ever That's so exactly slightly what different. It is. And the instruction with that too is often like, okay, so for this one, you're climbing over a wall and you're you're trained, so you're military <laughs> and you're good at climbing over the wall. Because then there's the okay. other instruction where it's like, now you're untrained and you're climbing over a wall. So basically, be a bit of a be be yourself. <laughs> be I, could out do, of yeah, I could do the untrained one really easily. I can imagine <laughs> what that is like. If you told me to do it as trained, I'll be like, okay, can I just ask someone who's trained to just show me this quickly? Yeah, so, it's nothing. <laughs> yeah. How much information did you get about the plot of the game uh, while you're in voice? Uh, very little because they, um, you know, want to protect things as much as they mm. can from uh, leaks. So the information I had about uh, the game was essentially the fact that there were kind of four uh, different um, bad guy, I guess, kind of groups, like four different sects yeah. of uh, villains or kind of encounters that the player might have. And so I sort of learned a little bit about what the different sects were. So the military one and the uh, survivors and the cultists or the um, the ones that are sort of like the, the angriest about it. Uh, and then the I hyenas. just... Yeah, well, no, so the hyenas, interestingly. I think that's what they called, yeah. So I think the one that my character with is, is in because or my my primary character. Okay. Um, I think mine are going to be in the ones that are like the survivor ones that are that are mad about it. Do you know what I mean? Like the ones that yeah. like survived the plague. Yes. Okay. Then, yeah. They, they, there are civilians sort of just walking around, and, and my instincts whenever I come across those is, why are you still here? Why haven't you just left this city? But yeah, I get, I get, what, I get which ones, which ones you're on about. So I I'm just think, like random people who are just there. No, an organized group. But oh it's, right, um, okay. So let me see. Uh, let me see a division two. I'm just going to Google it right now just okay. to see. So the main. Now oh, it's come into Hindu denominations. Okay, for a division two, let's say. Uh, oh, I think it's outcasts. 
Oh, right. Okay. I know which ones you're on about. Can I just jump back to Scott's question of um, how much did you know about the plot and make a snarky comment and say, what plot? <laughs> All right. Look, this might be the time to it's interject with this, Cal. Can I just ask, what is the division exactly? Because I've been okay, trying to get it into That's probably a good idea, a good question. But I don't really know much about I know there's two of them. Yeah. Uh, I know there's guns in it. Yeah. And something to do with Tom Clancy. What is the division? So Tom Clancy's The Division is set in a America where essentially on Black Friday, I think it was, or like one of the days leading up to Christmas, um, someone unleashed a disease via money. And so it's okay. called like the green the green poison or something. And because it was Black Friday and lots of money was changing hands, this disease spread across New York really quickly so people end up getting very sick and society just very quickly broke down so new york America got... doesn't have contactless card payments yet no That's exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> so new york gets shut off and they think they've contained it and you're a divi- you're an agent of something called the division whose job it is is to go into new york and kill enough people that society gets fixed or something <laughs> all right you know just you're, keep you're shooting going, until exactly yeah. better. <laughs> have you ever watched the or read the punisher uh, I have no other Punisher. My feeling while playing The Division 1 and 2, because I play on my own, is that I'm the Punisher. And okay. I'm just going and just shooting the shit out of people and going, this is saving this is saving the world or something. You're kind of um, like Thanos in a way. Yeah, ex- exactly, sure, yeah. You're going, happy. okay, we need to get rid of this many people who are bad, and then that's going to make everything good. How the do division, you tell the bad people from the good people? They they wear masks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if they're bad, they wear masks and they and they... They inject themselves with stuff. Uh, in the Division Two, uh, it turns out you weren't able to contain it just to New York, and so now it's spread across to Washington D.C., and uh, that's all fallen apart as well. So society has sort of crumbled. Your base of operations is the White House, and in terms of plot, I couldn't tell you what's going on. It's, it turns out that shooting people did not work. No. <laughs> so although, although, so now they're going to try and shoot people some more. And maybe it'll work this time. Um, the, the plot is pretty much just an excuse to go in and, and do some shooting. Uh, I, I, with Division 2, or even Division 1, I couldn't really tell you any of the story beats other than I need to go save this person who's important for the Division and they're going to become like a staff member at the White House or something. Okay, so it's kind of Gears of War level of plot. I'd say even less than that, to be honest. Sorry, Gears fans. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. It's, 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 it doesn't try to be like, like... I can see why ahead of time they were like, we're not making any political statements in this, even though it's like set in the White House and stuff, because they're not really making any statements at all. The plot is just there to push you along to... Yeah, it blatantly, all right, if we're going to bring this up, the plot is blatantly political. I know that much. I don't, I, I, if you play it, it's not really the political The first line of the game is people with guns survived. That's it, that's it. That's, <laughs> that's it, yeah. Essentially, does your na- do you have a gun? Does your neighbour? And then that's sort of the suggestion that if you had a gun in America, then you survived this, this, this outbreak of stuff. Um, and that's like the only political moment that I've come across. Everything else is just typical. Apart you know, you go and watch like a, operations is the White House. Yeah, it's like it's like it feels like GI Joe. You know, uh-huh. just sort of like uh, uh, soldier people. Political show. I don't know. I've never never really watched it. It's just sort of soldier people being like, "We've got to go save the world," and just yeah, um, going from there. Yeah, that's a political point of view. Yeah. I think they wanted to be so that like 
in the in your mind, it's like the president could be Donald Trump or the president could be Barack Obama. But either way, it's 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 like apolitical in that, like, oh, it's just about saving people. Yes. But it's, of course, it's political because it's it's guns. But fact, there's 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 one moment where you go to like um, the history, uh, the Museum of Presidents, and it shows like the the history of like presidents of the United States, and it oh goes up to I think I think it goes up to like you can see on the wall pictures of presidents of past presidents. I think it goes up to JFK, and then the rest of them are mysteriously removed from the wall. Mm. Oh, thank God! I mean, yeah. you've got to. Who was it? Yeah. I think that was. And who is it that was trying to avoid having Donald Trump be included in the president? I think it was Walt Disney in the in the Hall of Presidents, right? Oh yeah, it was. Yeah, I think they were trying to avoid having and they, Donald and, and Trump. They, in they the ended end. up having to have him in the end. Yeah, but it's it's yeah, they, they, you could, yeah, yeah. It's uh, you can see there is certainly. There, I'm, I'm imagine there's a there's a release of the Division Two which did have more politics in it, and then they just so decided. Let's just cut that stuff out and make it more about the guns and the shooting and stuff. Uh, but it's like, it's obviously, like, the plot is deeply, like, engaged with current politics. It's like, and it's, for those who don't know, the developer, one of the lead developers of this game gave an interview where he was like, oh, the game doesn't make any political statements at all. It's just about exploring this city. It pretty like, much it, is, though. No, it blatantly isn't. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 again, I couldn't really tell you much about the, the plot. Maybe later on it'll make some more actual statements. The plot's essentially just there, and it's just like, go shoot these people. The only the only interesting bits of the plot is the, the side stuff you come across, like the echoes that we mentioned before, where you're seeing what happened to people in this city as they try to survive this outbreak. That's like the interesting uh, stuff you, to me. You, you the rest of it's just sort you of... You can't there. separate the gameplay, like, the way you play the game from the context in which you do it, though. I'm, it just doesn't really give me much context. Like I'm sure, I'm sure I get what you're saying. I just don't think there's much there. And like whatever, if like the, the, what annoys me is that developer just couldn't. Whoever did the interview, one of the leads, <laughs> just couldn't be bothered to admit it. Like he he felt the need to be like, oh, absolutely no political statements in this game about guns and soldiers and I the think White House. I, I I agree. I think it's well, tricky though. It's interesting though, but like, was was the developer an American guy? Because wait, 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 I, I think a few of them. I think a few. Like, was was the developer an American? Because I'm not. A lot of the a lot of the team was Swedish. Yeah, Ubisoft's mostly based out of France. Is it? I mean, I Ubisoft is based in. Is this like is massive. In this is this is massive entertainment. Yeah. So I think it was like a subsidiary of Ubisoft. Yeah, so sure. I mean, so it's, a, it's maybe like, I don't know, like with the developer that was kind of being um, interviewed, it's like, I'm not sure that they would even have like uh, the kind of standpoint on yeah, if you're, politics. If, if you're put on that spot in, the, in an interview, maybe you don't get into that. Uh, let me, Scott, let's, let, let me finish it and then we'll, we'll have a, we'll do it, we'll dedicate a special podcast to the politics of the Division 2 yeah, and sure. the plot that definitely exists in that game. Um, Kate, when when you were there, there was a lot of talk with um, like voice actors not being told what they're recording when they're doing it. Were you were you told that you're recording for the Division Two specifically, or was it just like a generic come in and do uh, voices? It was given a different name, right, um, okay. so I had no idea until I went in to record. But I was prepped with sort of like a mood and. Um, you know, uh, kind of a genre of the game and a brief character outline uh, based right, on the sort okay. of um, class of character that I was in. 
Um, so could you so could you work it out? No, no idea. Right. Like, because, because to be honest, it, I wasn't even told who the publisher was. Oh, right. Okay. Wow. So it wasn't until sort of I got into the studio where it was like, okay, look, here's some footage from the last game. Here's what we have so far for a trailer, just so you can kind of see the world that we're creating, blah, blah, blah. So I was more informed once I got into the studio. But, um, you know, when I was sent the script, it was just uh, very much masked. Right. Okay. That's 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 interesting because a lot of voice actors, I know you're sort of starting out with this sort of stuff, but a lot of voice actors, as they get properly into it, uh, sort of against that. They want to know what they're doing as they're doing it or beforehand so they can properly prepare, but also put it on their like CV and stuff. Yeah. And I suppose the thing too is with, with video games, I, I think it's just like an army of people that they're employing, you know, yes. there's so much dialogue that has to be recorded for these. So I imagine that I was one of, you know, at least a hundred people that was probably doing different voices and different things to different days. That's um, a lot and, just to just in UK alone or, or like worldwide. I think it was primarily recorded in the UK. Right. Um, and I think, uh, you know, that is slightly different than, you know, uh, other VO type of work, you know? So even in a, in a big cartoon, you know, you're probably dealing with a voiceover cast that is slightly more contained and uh, you're able to yeah. sort of uh, maybe give out more information because there's not this kind of small army of people. Uh, who may or may not be liabilities, you know, if you're sort of giving them a lot of information in advance. Um, of course, yeah, they might just le- leak it all out. Yeah, so and maybe it's about kind of like how easy is it to contain. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, it's, it's, again, a tricky thing because if you're a voice actor, especially if you're like a prominent voice actor, um, you want to be able to say what you're doing or at least know what you're Hello? doing. I suppose if you're... dropped a little bit. If you're like part of the, the the large group of people that just just you know is, who are, who are being hired to do the the smaller side of things, I suppose it's it's more concerned there of that getting out. Yeah, I suppose that would be. I mean, again, because my experience is uh, it's not vast, so yeah. I'm kind of making a, a hypothesis here. But to me, it did just kind of feel like uh, I'll tell you more about it when you get in. Yes. Uh, and then once you're in the studio, you know, you're signing your non-disclosure so that you don't um, leak anything about the project. And then they kind of feed you the need-to-know basis kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, you're working around as best you can. And also you are working with a director. Like, um, you it know. Sounds, it just sounds so fascinating. It's, it's a world that I had no sort of like awareness or idea about how it all works. It's just yeah, so you know, it, it's interesting because you're reading lines it's, off it's of... Done in um, that way. Yeah, like it's it's you're sort of being broadcast the lines. Sometimes you get accompanying animation, but not all the time. Right. Uh, and then you know you're doing four or five line readings for each line, and then the director is sort of nominating which they think are the best readings for that particular cut. Um, you know, every once in a blue moon, the director or the kind of um, the session director might even need to contact uh, one of the kind of more high ranking producers uh, just right. to say, hey, about this scene, I need a little bit more input. So even sometimes the session director might need to know a little bit more about that point in the story. Wow. Okay. That's 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 fascinating. I, I suppose I suppose I hadn't considered that. Like I always just assume that they just sort of know exactly what it's going to be, or they just just like okay, just come in, just do this stuff, and then we'll let you know if we need anything else. But the fact the fact they might be calling back and forth during, I suppose that that makes sense. I just hadn't considered that before. I think with video games, you know, you're dealing with essentially so many different kind of variations yes, of where absolutely. the story goes. 
so you've got it's you know it's your choose your own adventure book uh everything yeah. every potential um conclusion needs to be voiced out or even just every action by the player you have to consider what they're going to do in different scenarios and have something that matches that for sure for sure i mean it was definitely it was interesting it was uh, fascinating. I think voiceover is like it's all the fun of acting, but none of the pressure of being looked at. Yeah, so, the, the, the ideal. Yeah, you know, you can be absolutely, you know, in in, in the voiceover what you, uh, what studio. You, you know, it's like I got to hold, like, you is, know, like a replica sort of up, made of gun, just... and you know, just be like screaming and drooling on myself. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I would have gone in in army gear. Yeah, full cosplay. Yeah. Just full, just fully, like fully commit to the character, you know. I think the closest I got to it was I wore. Um, uh, uh, there was my my character has a, a flamethrower, oh, right, and okay. I wore my Madeline Kahn uh, flames on the side of my face uh, t shirt. It's one of her lines from Clue. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> so that, yeah, that, that that's was, that's good. Yeah, I like that. All right, shall we move on to news? Have you got any more questions? Uh, I don't have any more questions. I think. Cool. Okay, let's let's go on to the news. Then we've got a bit of news to go through here. Um, first one. Obviously, we go back two weeks now. MySpace lost all the music they uploaded from 2003 to 2015. What is that? Is we're moving to like a world where everything's being held in the cloud? But the idea that someone can just move a server across to a new place and then just lose everything uploaded between a set period of time is is this hasn't really happened before, has it? Uh, this is probably the largest scale like data loss from like a major service. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah, like that's that's twelve years, especially when you consider how much lesson. how much stuff people put up on MySpace. Kate, were you much of a user of MySpace at all? I mean, I was. Um, you know, I abandoned it. I think when people kind of shifted over to Facebook, but uh, and that's what the, you know you got to back your shit up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, bands bands were like putting their music up on MySpace. So that was the way they would release stuff. If you're like an indie band and you're putting out music, you you'd just put it up on MySpace for people to listen to. And to imagine that if you weren't saving that yourself onto your hard drive or something, or like even years later, you're like, okay, we can go back and get it at some point. That's just gone. That's just what does it say about like a, an always online future? Does this does this set it back at all? I mean, or, like, I mean, I'll tell you as a historian. Uh, in general, much more stuff's going to be lost and it's going to be retained at any one time. Like, it's, in, it's interesting because you look back at like um, the BBC archives and stuff and how much they've removed, or even just like, vid- if you're going from a video game standpoint, like Square has lost, I think they lost the entirety of Final Fantasy VIII source code as they well as Kingdom Hearts. Of that game, yeah. Yeah, it's, and like, that's stuff that's not even just cloud saving, that's just stuff that they've lost in like transition or just from deleting it because they didn't think they'd need it. Like BBC are famously lost all of a load of Doctor Who episodes because yeah, they just didn't save episode, that stuff. A lot of TV from that era. Uh, so it's, it's, is this that well, difference to that? Also, don't don't files eventually degrade over time? Yeah, storing long-term is um, is the difficult thing, is trying to find a format where um, the data will still be accessible because both the hardware degrades and um, yeah, the way you store it can degrade as well. So I mean, I... This, this is really like an area where no one really knows what will work long term because yeah. obviously we've only really been storing uh, digital files this way for a few decades now. So we don't really have very much experience in like long term um, storage. So I mean, I would I would have imagined like the cloud saving was just being like in the in, in, on a database and a server somewhere would probably be better than storing it like just in, physically in a room. Well, but- the thing the thing is, we know that um, we 
as few people, we have quite a few hundred years experience of taking care of paper, of paper documents. Uh, so we know that if you have a good quality paper and store it in a, um, a kind of a, a cool dry place, you know, it it will probably last. Like it won't degrade very much. Uh, but digital files we just don't have much experience with. Guys, you you think uh, that with 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 decades having gone past that that would be something that we would have sorted out by now? Well, from a historical perspective, decades are pretty short, really, compared to uh, however many centuries we've had uh, storing I kind of paper so. and, and things. And as well, it's just such a um, like the general rule I say is that like the more effort and money you put into storing something, the more chance it will have of surviving. You know, obviously, a lot of these big companies, uh, they they not don't care about historical posterity. They're uh, out to make money, out to make a profit, and ho- and hosting all these legacy files isn't really top of their list no. of priorities. Uh, that's the thing. So, I mean, really, for, for what it's worth, with, with MySpace, this was a an issue with them transporting it across from yeah. one area to another, where yeah. that got damaged and corrupted, and then they ended up yeah. losing it. And that's obviously like a massive a massive risk because. Again, you need to transfer these things between sites, and yeah, you can make a backup, but that's going to cost you a, like a lot of money com- uh, to have like a second copy of all those files. So if you only have one set of copies uh, and you lose it all in a file transfer, you know you're done. Okay, what's one thing you would hate to lose uh, digitally, just being removed somewhere? Like let's say, like in a MySpace type situation, is there anything you would want to not disappear? Um, I suppose, you know, we've stopped kind of printing out photos. Okay. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of photos, uh, you know, for over probably the course of two decades at least where yeah. I don't have hard copies of them. They're all online somewhere. And I think the thing is, I think I've got most of them sort of like put on two different sources. But so could, could I upload a ton go. of Facebook. But like if Facebook yeah. loses them, I hope that I have things, um, you know, stored properly on hard drives and backed up into cloud-based things. But God, you know, wedding photos. Of course. Um, God, yeah. Although so you have just, those on a disc. Yeah, uh, I've. I mean, all, most of my photos are on Facebook or Instagram. I've not got them saved yeah. elsewhere. I've just uploaded them, and then that's it. You know, it's it's, it's yeah. the ease of doing so. And now I'm just sort of like considering. That's not actually saved anywhere else. I mean, most of them mm. are shit anyway. They're just selfies of me or whatever. But to think that you might lose memories like that is, is yeah. yeah, that's, that's scary. Uh, another challenge of digital archiving is uh, if sort of a physical thing, if, if a piece of paper or a photo gets damaged, damaged, sorry, you can normally uh, you'll be able to see part of it, right? Yeah. Uh, obviously, we have we have bits of uh, bits of writing from thousands and thousands of years ago. But I've mostly degraded, but we can still read part of it. Whereas if a digital file gets corrupted, pretty much all of it is gone. You can't interpret half of it. God, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you, you, it's very difficult to then just like piece it back together because it's 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 corrupt, you know. Yeah, exactly. If if the wrong sector of memory uh, goes, or if the wrong uh, part of a CD rusts, then yeah, it, it's unreadable. It's it's illegible. Or if a podcast is edited together in the wrong way. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, something to consider then. Oh, God. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to need time, to make backups. Time and money, and most historical archives are underfunded. So what you're saying is we should fund them? Well, I say, yeah, we need more money for the humanities, more money okay. for archives, and we need... Uh, it needs to be real... We can't trust uh, you know, for-profit companies to 
to archive things. If you want to preserve things, you need trained professionals who will uh, who will work to preserve it. But where's this money going to come from, Scott? <laughs> Who's going to pay for it? I'm not raising my taxes for, uh-huh. for someone to save some photos of their wedding. Sorry, Kate, exactly. but not happening. <laughs> yeah, I say, as an individual, obviously make sure that what is important to you is backed up because no one else will bother. Yeah, you're right. you're I, right. think, I think that's it. I think people get yeah. uh, really comfortable with the idea that, like, oh, I, it's saved in the cloud. That's all I ever need to do. I trust Facebook with everything. Mm. They've never done anything wrong, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Sorry, exactly. I'm just I'm just getting a memo from a producer. Uh, don't, oh don't no, I take that it. back. Facebook have done lots of things wrong. Speaking of um, for-profit companies doing stupid things. The Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad reboot is Suicide called. Squad. <laughs> so you've got Suicide yeah. Squad, and they're re- rebooting it after one film, and it's called The Suicide the Squad. The Suicide Squad. Yeah. Okay, you're into <laughs> comics and things. What does this mean? What's What's up with the Suicide Squad? So I mean, I'm I'm a big comic book nerd. I was never necessarily a huge Suicide Squad fan. Um, uh, I preferred the Thunderbolts uh, when okay, it came yep. to uh, villains acting as a superhero team. But Suicide Squad, to be fair, came first, I believe. Um, yeah. And uh, I hated the movie. Uh, I hate the idolization of Harley Quinn. Yes. Uh, well, she's still around. So they're rebooting like everything apart from her character. Although she's, she's rebooted, but the same actress is playing her. Yeah. I mean, with James Gunn doing it, I do feel like he is an interesting director and I like what he did with Guardians. So I think um, I'd be interested to see what he does with the movie and I'm hoping that I love it. But I think that whole Suicide Squad, it made me almost angry how successful it was because I think as a movie it was trash. It was so desperate to be Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. It was. I I feel like this is a... a Rare case where a movie was financially successful, but so critically failed that the studio was literally like, we have to reboot it. We can't continue. Yeah, that, that is weird. Like, what's their other motive? They just know that, like, it's almost impossible to sort of uh, continue with that story because it's just garbage. Um, this doesn't I, I, really I, happen that much. I mean, you see Spider-Man getting rebooted and Batman's had some reboots as well. But in terms of just like one film being released, doing well, and then the studio being like, we're going to reboot it anyway yeah. because it's bad. That doesn't really... I mean, you look at the, the Transformers movies, and like, there's like one good one of those, and that's Bumblebee. But the others are just sort of, they just carried on anyway, even though it was bad. Yeah, but I think the Transformers movies made enough money. Like, how much mo- money did Suicide Squad actually make? Because they might have had, like, I can imagine them in a boardroom with a big graph, and there's like a downward trend. <laughs> Let me look this up. A, a, a trend of whether it's good and how much money they make, and then yeah, that's the decider because, of whether, whether it gets rebooted. In general, like... And there are obviously big exceptions, but in general, sequels do tend to make less money. Right. So if you consider, I guess, a budget 175 million, double that for advertising as well. So you're getting to about kind of 400 million for budget. And then box office, yeah, 746.8 million. That's a good profit. It's it's a good profit. They made about double the budget back. But I think, I don't know, they've done some calculations. I don't know if the other DC movies have seen like diminishing returns. But they evidently decided. Um, they clearly, they were, may, maybe they're just caring more about quality now because there was a yeah. period of time where the DC films were all bad. I mean, people yeah. seem to like Aquaman. I I really hated it, but people seem to quite like that. It, so I guess they're sort of a, like trying to claw it, back their legacy a little bit. It could have been a condition of James Gunn coming on board. He might have been like, yep, 
Uh, let's let me reboot it and I'll come and direct it. Yeah, maybe. And maybe they just knew that to be responsible, they had to remove uh, Jared Leto's uh, portrayal of the Joker. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, that was uh, poor. So, so, like, studios have a, represent, have a reputation as, like, purely money-driven, and that's not undeserved, but sometimes they can make good decisions where they're like, oh, we got a break from this. Mm. Just give I'll, it another go. I'll give it a look. I mean, it's it's interesting, but I'm I'm not sure if Suicide Squad deserves a second chance, but I'll, mm. I'll give it a try. I, I think as well, just, like, a few years on, Suicide Squad's made next to no, like, cultural impact. People don't remember it, really. No, you're it's, right. No, it wasn't... They remember yeah, Harley so, Quinn, but that's it. Yeah. Um, I grew up with how's Harley Quinn, but uh, so yeah, I guess you I just think that, you just put her at the forefront of it, and then just be and, like, "Hey, it's another yeah. Harley Quinn movie." Um, has Margot Robbie done anything bad? I've got no objection to her as Harley Quinn. Apart, she's, like, as she's a actress. good ex. Yeah, yeah like, she's solid. I, I think I don't, I don't know of her having done anything bad, so that's fine. Um, obviously, she didn't have control over how her character was written. No, exactly. I mean, there's there's problems with Harley Quinn in general, but it's yeah. um. Hopefully, James Gunn will do better with that. I, I don't know. He's, yeah, James Gunn's a good director, good writer. He's written quite a lot of things I like. He's done uh, some good so. stuff with Guardians. Like, the, 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 Kate, your opinion, do you have an opinion on the female characters in the Guardians movies? I, I would say that Gamora, I think, a spoiler for Infinity War 1, uh, very briefly yeah. here, if she kind of got the boot pretty mercilessly in uh, that film, it seemed almost like impactless in a way. Oh, yeah. uh, but otherwise, I think James Gunn has done a good job with the uh, gal characters in Guardians. So maybe he um, could do something better with Harley Quinn in this I think reboot. so. Okay. I think he's he's also kind of had his personal troubles with sort of like, you know, uh, historical tweets. Yes. And so I think he will be culturally sensitive, understanding kind of like how we were speaking before about like, look, people are looking for the politics and things. Yes, absolutely. And you, you know, you can't be sort of maybe as glib as you were previously when creating any kind of art. Um, uh, so I think, if anything, I would love to make sure that young people are not romanticizing what is an extremely toxic relationship between Absolutely. Harley Quinn and the Joker. That'll be, that'll be the test, really, won't it? With, with what they, whether this new movie was really worthwhile is whether they can fix that side of things, because it is yeah. messy. It's gross. Next... Uh, Next news story we've got here, um, we've got about 20 minutes now. Uh, Google unveils the gaming platform Stadia. Oh yeah, maybe. Maybe that'll be alright. <laughs> this, <is, laughs> this is interesting. So they've shown off Stadia, which they're saying with a 25 megabytes per second um, internet speed, you can stream uh, 4K 60 frames per second to, your, to, to anything that runs Chrome. Yeah, promises, promises. It is, it is promises. I mean, from from what I gather, people did a, a test run back on the end of last year where they basically gave out Assassin's Creed Odyssey for free and you're allowed to play it over your internet if you're in, in America. And they were saying it ran, ran pretty well, so the point where they couldn't really distinguish between that and playing it on like a PC or a console or something, which is, if it can work that well, it's good. I think Google is saying they're in the best place for it because they have so many data centers everywhere. You know, Google is essentially the the biggest worldwide internet company. Like they're like in, they're in the best position to do this right because there's there's not going to be that whole latency of connecting to different places. So Google Stadia is a streaming platform where if you have a Chrome anything, you can stream high end games directly to that device and play it without having to download anything, without having to have strong hardware. It's it's 
the streaming future is something a lot of companies have tried on live, tried it like 10 years ago and it wasn't very good. Sony's been doing it with PS Now. Um, what do we think? Uh, I don't have that much to say about this one. All I can say is, yeah, maybe. Like, Google does have a lot of money, a lot of, like, they've got a lot of experience in streaming things. Um, I'll believe it when it happens. Like, I'm, I guess I'm interested to see how it turns out. I'm not really very interested in getting hype uh, at this point. Uh, it would be, maybe, it'd be interesting, like, if they tried to position Chromebook as, like, a gaming platform. Yeah. That would, that would be interesting. That would be, uh, yeah, quite interesting. And also, um, we don't know what the pricing model will be yet. No. Uh, they, so, something they said was they want to have it as their goal that from seeing the game icon to playing the game is like five seconds. Yes, so you uh, can just click it and then you're playing. Would, would kind of suggest like more of a subscription model than a, uh, a individually priced game model, but we'll see. But at that point, you're stepping away from ownership of games, and I'm not sure I trust Google to keep that sort of thing going. So if I'm paying money to play all these games, mm. what's to say that in two years, when it isn't as, success- yeah. as successful as they wanted it to be, they don't just remove the service? Or even if I'm buying yeah. games from yeah. Google service, I'm not but owning them, I'm just streaming I, Because it. I would say, if, if like that's your concern, the subscription model was better for you. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. If you're paying like a monthly fee, then like it's it reinforces that it's more temporary than if you pay like a sum for like to actually play a game. Yeah, like, I'm not I, sure I would buy a game from Google with this service because I don't uh, trust I'd them to quite, keep it going. I'd be quite interested to see this kind of like Netflix of games idea where you pay a monthly fee and then you can have a, as much streaming as you like. At that point though, how do developers make money? Like, I'm uh, sure it, big it would developers have to be would be a, fine. Um, yeah, it would have to be, uh, presumably Google might play, pay them a fee uh, for having their game on the service, it might be a Spotify type thing where you get like a cut of every like stream. But at uh, that point, those people who are making like short games of like two hours length, you know, like indie developers who are making like walking simulator type games or just like standard one and done like experiences, they're they're fucked. Yeah, it, yeah, it might be bad for them. We'll we'll have to see what. Kind of, obviously, we don't know what kind of financial deal they're going to offer developers. Uh, but then. Um, Obviously, this is kind of a service that you'd use to play uh, kind of big hardware-intensive games that you wouldn't be able to play on like a normal kind of PC. Yeah, it removes removes the expensive barrier for entry. So so maybe if you already have a PC that can play like lower lower intensity indie games. But yeah, I think there's definitely, if, if this service became kind of monolithic and like dominant, but I say it might be bad for kind of indie developers. But obviously we don't know yet if that will happen, or what the financial model is going to be. But I guess we can't really comment as of yet. Okay, have you got any thoughts on it? Only that I, I don't trust that there wouldn't be sort of problematic lag time. Um, yeah. You know, you could be paying for the best internet service in your area uh, and still have kind of connectivity problems from time to time. Yeah. And also, I think the issue of like, you know, whether or not it becomes a failed idea and then something that you've invested in it sort of disappears... I mean, what was the um the sort of like Google connectivity kind Google, of platform? The Google Plus, the uh, the Facebook. Yeah, Google type Plus thing. is gone now, isn't it? So it's like that's oh. that's shutting down next month. Yeah, you so can, it's like you can no longer post anything on it. You oh, can, it's and all existing uh, posts will be deleted. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's it's. Uh, of course, companies like Google are always going to be trying to sort of uh, figure out new ways to develop incomes and sort of be a broader part of 
our lives. But to be honest, Google, you already own us, yeah. you know, body and soul. It's like, do you really need to have a piece of the gaming market? I'm not convinced. What, what, what are they wanting from this is the, is the question. Like, it's e- yeah. like, I get that they want to be the first to do the whole streaming future because that's where this, money. that's where games are going. But what, but yeah. Google were never about like selling they, a they product want, to make they money. Want money. I know, but they were never really about <laughs> that selling a product to make money. So like, how are they? What are they really gaining from this? Is the question like what, uh, m- what data about? I know, I know that, but what data about like you as a person? Uh, so, like, yeah. game this is how they're gonna they're gonna recruit super soldiers. Yeah. This is like a screening <laughs> process. <laughs> and also, let's not forget, a company like Google can just do uh, what is like the Xbox model, where they don't necessarily make money from it, but they bankroll it to stay to keep other people from making money. Yeah, that's a good point. Because in, in a big business like this, the only thing worse than not making money is watching someone else make money you could have made. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I'm just yeah. I'm, I'm guess uh, I'm concerned about what they what they're going to do with my gaming data. Like, is that going to become yeah. adverts or something? You know, it's 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 yeah. weird. And also, their I focus mean, on the whole. I mean, already this happens streamers. in some games. You know, in um, Deus Ex: Mankind Divided. Uh, that game reported everything you did back to um, Square Enix. For every jump, every, yeah, every jump, every time you jumped, every object you interacted with, every time you shot your gun, that all that was all recorded in that. Yeah, game. you see, you see this with a lot of companies now. Where like after a game's been out a year, they'll say our players have logged in this many hours. They fired mm. this many bullets. Yeah. You're sort of like, okay, no, this no. is cool for an infographic, so, but what are you doing with that information? So I, think, I don't like, need hey, you to know yeah, how many yeah. times I went and visited elf prostitutes on The Witcher 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I definitely no, want to know that. I think like Kate said, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm um, interested we'll in it, but I'm worried. I'm wary of it being Google. Um, I'm just trying to think whichever ones we should talk oh, about. Oh, this will finally be a use for your Ouya. <laughs> no one has an Ouya anymore. Uh, that's been in the bin. Um, what else is there's three other stories? I'm not sure if I necessarily need to get into them. Uh, I mean, do, e- EA lays off 350 people in marketing publishing. We've discussed yeah, that sort of thing before. EA. Uh, yeah. it's it's publishing for games and marketing for games seem to be on the decline now because they're just using Twitch for it. Like if you can pay a diver- if you can pay someone on Twitch one million dollars to stream your game and suddenly it's going to get like millions of players. Why would you have a whole marketing team? Mm. You know, it's it's it's, yeah. it's it's a shame. Uh, Minecraft has removed every mention of Notch from the game. Yeah, fuck Notch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I love soft. so much. Yeah, that makes me so upset. What a dick that guy turned out to be. It's such a shame. So many kids play that game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you look at him. You look at him like a few years ago. I read an interview from like when he was developing Minecraft, where someone asked him about the character of Steve and like who he was and Notch was like oh that character doesn't doesn't actually have a gender like they're just referred to as they or them um we, I just named him Steve like off the cuff comments but mm. that ultimately that character is just you I don't want to sort of define it in any way and now yeah. you're like him going oh transgenderism doesn't exist if everyone's got a gender that sort of thing it's just it's such a Be, strange being, thing being rich changes you very quickly really quickly he's just become really this massive quickly. Yeah, because when you have billions and billions of dollars, you just you're completely isolated from everyday life. It's horrible. It really this is a this is a object lesson to everyone. Don't get rich. It's a bit of it's a bit of a shame in a way because he made this this experience which which resonated with a lot of people. He seemed like a pretty decent person a few years ago, and now his entire legacy has Mm. just been destroyed. Like he's been removed from his legacy. I know he's got billions of dollars, so great. But he has no legacy from now on. Like people yeah. in the also, future will he play gets Minecraft. Only what he deserves, like, and not have any sort of relation to Notch with it. Yeah, 
Also, Notch, guess what? We don't get to have cool nicknames like Notch because we don't <laughs> live in the Matrix. No one's called Tank. No one's called Switch. You don't get to be called Notch. <laughs> Just call yourself Marcus and be done with it. <laughs> all right, what's the final news story? Well, we're not going to, we're going to do the question, question of the week, so I'll, um, all right. we'll, so, we'll uh, leave it there. So let me, let me do the question of the week voice. All right. Question of the week. All right. Uh, this week's question comes to us from Arjinder in Amersham. <laughs> it comes from me. Um, it's, for, it's for both people. If you, or all of us, I guess, if you could change the voice of any character or characters, which character or characters would you pick and how would you change it? Kate, do you want to start? Uh, yeah, sure. So this was tough because, um, you know, I am a big fan of VO work and stuff. But yeah. I think uh, in a game, uh, I'm going to give cheat a little bit and give you a couple answers. No, please the, do the as many answers thing, as you want. The one that I probably change is I probably do like a big re-record of Hard Rain. Um, okay, that is one I think where it is notably because it is um, uh, a video game wherein it's very intense, it's very emotional, it's very story based, uh, and yet it does seem I think in fact I think the rumor is they basically used um, a lot of like non. Uh, native English speaking actors not that this right. is not anti-immigrant yeah. but it, is, it is I think it is notable in some of the instances where some of the readings are a little weird some of the American accents are a little bit weird um, yeah. and so there is something slightly stilted in some of the scenes of Hard Rain it's not like it's all a shit show um, but, but some of it is not great yeah some of it's not great and so I think for that game was important in that era uh, it's sort of interesting that it doesn't have the best VO work for it being a game that's really dependent on the storytelling. Right. Um, yes, that's 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 a good answer. I was I was expecting more jokey answers, so it's actually cool to have an actual good answer from this. Well, I'll you tell you my jokey improve. answer. What's your jokey answer? <laughs> the jokey answer is uh, I want to go back to the Marvel arcade game. Oh the, yeah. Uh, the X Men. Yeah. So the X Men, not uh, versus Capcom. Uh, I want the side-scrolling, you know, adventure one. Uh, the beat 'em up type I, game, yeah. The beat 'em up game uh, that you can play with friends. Yeah. And uh, I want to be the voice of Wendigo. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. How, how would you do it? Well, right now it's like Wendigo. <laughs> 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 like, I, w- I would just replicate that. Uh, just I'm an admirer <laughs> so, of it. So exactly but, the same, but with your voice instead. Exactly. I want the credit for doing that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's my answer. Okay. Great. Thank you. Uh, Scott, what would you change, or which characters would you change, and how? Every video game character in every game, voiced by the Smash Bros. announcer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of some... Lo- give me give me a video game and a character, and I'll try and do it. Okay. Uh, can I have uh, Nathan Drake, please, from Uncharted? No, 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 no! <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> yeah okay i could i could see that that'd be pretty good i, I, I would like that <laughs> any anyone else that you change with a different voice uh, i don't really have a serious answer to this because i That's can't fine. think of you don't um, need a serious i remove all voice acting for breath of the wild really <laughs> because i want to because first of all the english language voice acting like is not that great oh it's bad uh second of all I want to be able to rename my character. Uh, that's a major Zelda. I've, have I talked to you about this? You have done. Uh, that's yeah. that's not, a not major Zelda element. I want to be able to name my character whatever silly thing I want. And I hate having to. One major bugbear of that game, I hate having to be called Link. <laughs> oh, yeah, you get Zelda's flat voice just being like, 
Link, 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 Link. come save me. Yeah. Li- uh, Ganon's, exactly. Ganon's taking over. You're just like busy, like chasing dogs around or something. Like, Link, exactly. you must come save us. It's- I want to be called like Schman or whatever. Okay. Schman is my default you, RPG name. Would you keep Prince Sidon's voice though? Because he's got a good voice. Yeah, he's alright. The Deku Tree's alright. Uh, Sidon's alright. The Rivali is alright. The rest of them. Yeah, the rest Not of the, 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 the. Yeah, the, you look at the Zora. Is the, the, is the Japanese voice acting any better? I don't know because it's. The I, tricky, I the really tricky thing I there really is because, because you don't understand Japanese, it's hard to tell if the voice acting is good or bad. So I don't mm, know. That's true. I don't know. Um, okay, that's, that's a good choices. I, I would think I would change Mario. I would go back to his sort of like uh, Brooklyn voice, but in the modern games. <laughs> so imagine yeah. Mario sort of just jumping around and Mario Odyssey's going, huh, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go find some pizza or something like that. No, that's not a very good Brooklyn accent, but you know what I mean. Uh, just uh, that sort of like traditional Italian American voice that he had before <laughs> Nintendo actually got a voice for him. Mm. Cal, have I shown you that video of Charles Martinet in the eighties doing an advert for like uh, doing a rap uh, for some sort of computer product he was selling? No, but please link it. Put I'll, it to I'll me. I'll put it, it in you, the yeah. podcast description because that sounds amazing. <laughs> you, you know, speaking of Charles Martinet, uh, my friend Will told me a story. Uh, he was uh, when he was a teenager. He was our age, um, and he went to the midnight release of Mario Galaxy in London, um, and at the big Virgin Mega Store that used to be there. Yeah. And while he was there, they had a line. You bought your game, and then if you wanted, you could join another queue to get your copy signed by Charles Martinet. He That's was pretty there. Cool. Uh, but he was like, he told he told me in disbelief, like recording this. There were people who were buying their copy of the game and just leaving. And what kind of person goes to the midnight release of Mario Galaxy but can't be bothered to wait another half an hour to get it signed by Charles Martin? You would get it signed by the voice <laughs> yeah, of Mario. Would. Like, how are you so dedicated that you go to the midnight opening but you won't get it signed by the voice of Mario? That's Insane. ridiculous. Shame on those people. <laughs> and that takes us to the end of the podcast. Um... Thank you, Kate, for joining us on this. It's been really yeah, great talking great to you here. Nice to talk to you, Kate. It's been, it's been a great. I had a great time talking to you guys. So thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us, uh, Scott. Thank you for coming along as as always. Oh, yep, yeah, it's been brilliant. I'll uh, talk to you again soon. Two weeks time. I've been Cal <laughs> Doughty. Thank you to the listeners for listening, and thank you to Diagonal People for doing our intro and outro yeah. song. Um, okay. See you so, all in two weeks. Until time. next time, don't get rich. Uh, store your digital files safely. And, and uh, don't be political. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> no, <laughs> Wait, no, be political. Or I, I, I forgot what the mess, what the moral was. But um, read Lenin. It, shoot some guns. Don't <laughs> use money. <laughs> Goodbye. Right. Goodbye. Bye.